Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. With the restrictions lifting for COVID protocols, especially here in Ontario, We are starting to feel like we're getting some semblance of normalcy back in education. Our desks are outside of their rows. They're back into groups. We can bring our carpets back into our classrooms. Teaching is starting to feel normal again, with the exception of the fact that we now have to recover because we're teaching pandemic kids. So in today's video, I want to talk about what the experience is like teaching students who have just been through the last two years of pandemic type learning, the fluctuations, the changes, the differences, and all of the things that are coming into place. And what we can do now as teachers as we move forward into a restriction reduced classroom and what that looks like for our classrooms, what that looks like for us as teachers, and what that's going to look like for our students going forward. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Patty, and I am the teacher, author, and founder of MadlyLearning.com. And every single week, we have a new episode of the Teaching with Madly Learning show, where we talk about all things teaching and learning in the junior grades. Through these shows, it is our hope that we can make teaching and learning more fun and engaging for both you and your students. So, pandemic kids, kids that have been learning through the pandemic over the last two years and all of the things that that has included, that has meant that there are some problems we are facing in our classrooms. We know that our students have missed some time in school. While school has been happening, whether we've been remote or in class or students have been out, school has been happening and occurring, but that doesn't necessarily mean that our students throughout these last two years have been totally engaged in learning. And because of that, there's going to be some gaps. I'm noticing gaps. I'm sure you're noticing gaps too. There are huge gaps in our students' knowledge and understanding, things that they've missed, concepts that had to be skipped over, because rightfully so, we were prioritizing different things when we were learning remotely than had we been in class and as we should have been. So we all knew going in that we were going to be prioritizing things differently and learning was going to look a heck of a lot different. We also see the huge disparities in our students between those that had a lot of support in the classroom and didn't miss very much learning because they were there, they were participating, they had the supports, they had the tech, and the students that did not have those same advantages while offline learning. If parents did not have the capacity to instill that their child had to be online and sit beside them and help them with their work and support them through that, which many parents did not have, those students ended up missing a lot more than others. So there's huge disparities as to who has gaps and who doesn't. We also know that over the last two years, students have experienced different schooling. And that seems to have led to more disengaged students in their learning. Or I'm not even sure if I would say disengaged, but I would definitely say differently engaged students. They are less motivated by some of the things that we used to do in the past, some of the strategies that we employed in the past 
to get our students to do their learning or to be engaged what they thought was fun was a lot different than what students are looking for now. They don't want to be bored, but they have been bored often over the last two years. Now, students being bored is a completely different topic, and I have strong opinions on the concept of students being bored in class, but I will not get into that in today's episode. But because we have students that are engaged differently than they used to be, that means for us as teachers, we are relearning a lot of what we need to do and how that now looks differently because the population in front of us is engaged differently and they're not going to be engaged by the same things and they're not really interested either in just doing things and going through the motions like they had been before. Maybe they didn't like it before, but they just did it anyways. I also think that we are still facing some restrictions and we are still facing a high amount of absences. So we have students that are missing days. So we need to have more flexibility and flow to our learning because students may or may not be gone for an entire week and miss an entire week because a family member contracted COVID and they're off or they contracted COVID and they have to isolate for a significant period of time. And the fluctuation in attendance does have an impact on what we are doing in the classroom. So these, all of these issues are compounded together to create a difficult situation. And so there are some different things that we can do in the classroom to sort of counteract these issues and to sort of close some gaps and get students to kind of overcome this, but also have ourselves have a little bit of peace of mind, a little bit more simplistic ways to deal with it, or looking at different strategies that we can employ so that we're not constantly doing things over and over again or running around like a chicken with our head cut off, not really knowing whether we're coming or going. So in the classroom, when we have disengaged students, when we have students that are more tech savvy than they ever have before, they may have more devices, more access to technology, they may have learned even to socialize through technology, socializing differently that they can have communication and they can still maintain those connections with their peers through tech. So I find they're a lot more engaged technology-wise. There's a lot more screen time happening because for the last two years, that's exactly how they have connected with one another is over video games, over social media. And that seems to be how they've connected and how they communicate. So that sort of impacts the classroom because the same social dynamics are a lot different and there's conversations that are happening online and then those conversations or problems also come into the classroom too. So what are we going to do about that? Well, there's a few trends that I'm noticing in communities and teaching communities and kind of concepts of where we are now. So we know all the problems. So what do we do about it? What are the things that we can do? Number one, some of the things that I hear often is the work is too hard for students. And this leads into the conversation about accommodations versus modifications. So if I am teaching a grade five classroom, as a teacher, I am required to teach my students grade five content unless they have an IEP that specifically states I'm allowed to give them alternate accommodations or alternate modifications, alternate programming that is beyond or below the grade five curriculum expectations, 
every other student that is on a non-modified program needs to be learning at a grade five level, regardless of the gaps that they have come into my classroom with, regardless of whether or not they have missing pieces of information, whether they just aren't adjusted to what learning looks like anymore in a regular classroom. The work I need to give my students needs to be at a grade five level if I'm teaching grade five. I don't have the ability or I need to be very careful of taking that grade five content and boiling it down into its most simplistic form just to get the information in their heads and not being able to dilute that content so that really what I'm giving them is like grade two level work that's at the content or the topics of grade five level. So if I need to teach my students about the circulatory system, I need to teach that content at a grade five level with grade five leveled readers. I can differentiate that slightly, but I can't modify it so completely that I've simplified the reading or simplified the content so that it would be accessible to say a grade two student unless that student's modified. But all of my grade five students need to be working at a grade five level. And this has always been made very clear to me when we're talking about modifications for say an ESL student or an ELL. A student that is in ELL that is being modified for, we want to expose them to the grade level content, but at a simplified level. And that's a modification that I would do. And there is a fine line between how far I'm simplifying that work to the point where it's a modification. And then I'm not actually teaching them at the grade five level. If a student can do the grade level work, but they need some slight adjustments, then those are accommodations and that's good for everybody. But as teachers, we really need to be careful about saying to ourselves, well, they're struggling with this content. They're struggling with it. So I need to simplify it all. When in actual fact, we need to keep high levels of expectations. We need to keep our expectations high. We need to teach it that grade five content and then we need to scaffold it so that our students can get there. We need to get them to that grade five level. We know there's gaps there, but we need to help give them a ladder to get to that level. We need to support them more teacher time. So what that looks like for me is I'm going to give my students, I teach grade six, I'm going to give my students grade six level content at the grade six level, and they're going to struggle with it. In fact, they have struggled with it, but I'm not going to simplify it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give them a ladder. I'm going to give them more support. I'm going to help them more to get up there. And slowly over time, I'm going to need to reduce the amount of support I'm giving. But whether it means I'm reading it or I'm helping them to pre-teach some vocabulary, giving them some story, slowing down how long it takes me to cover that content so I'm not going to rush through it quite so fast. I might drop some other pieces and only focus on the most important. But my job is to get them up to that level, not to simplify it down to meet where they are. I need to help them access that. If that makes sense. I need to get them up to that level. So it's going to be a struggle. I also need to remember that it's okay if a student earns a D. 
or it's okay if a student earns a C. That might be where they are right now. And that's within the grade level range. Am I going to support the heck out of that student to help them bump it up and help them get stronger and get better? Absolutely. Most of my students in September and October and November were struggling significantly with where they were in writing, where they were in reading comprehension. But that's okay because with determination and time, I could get them up to where they needed to be. I didn't adjust my expectations. I didn't simplify what I was giving them and I didn't simplify what I was asking them to do. I still set a high culture of expectations, a high level of what I wanted them to do. And I helped them to bump it up and help them to get there. And in the time being, when they were giving me D-level work, I gave them Ds. And then I supported the heck out of them to get them to Cs. And then I supported the heck out of them to get them to B. And that's my job. That's how I'm differentiating is by the amount of support I'm providing. But what I'm not doing is just simplifying everything for them so that they just get a B, making it easier. I'm not we talk about parenting sometimes where we have snowplow parents that just smooth the road for all of their kids and they take all of the obstacles and they don't want the kids to feel bad and they don't, they want to just make sure everything is soft and fluffy and easy. That's not what I want to do as a teacher. I don't want to be a snowplow teacher for these pandemic kids. I want to support them. I want to be honest with them. I want to be real with them. I want to say, listen, this is where you need to be. This is what grade six level work looks like. This is what grade four level work looks like. You can get here. Let me help you. And in the meantime, you're giving me level one work. But this is what level two work looks like. Do you think you can work at level two work? Cool. Let's do level three. And we're going to keep going up so that they can meet those expectations. But if I just lower my expectations and say, well, they've been in a pandemic for the last two years, so I'm just going to lower where I need them to be. I'm going to lower what I expect of them because that's where they can do right now. That's doing a disservice to these kids. They are so capable. They are so resilient. They have developed so many coping strategies just to get through it. It was hard for us as adults. I can't imagine what it is like as a child to have gone through this where you have very little control about anything and you are thrusted immediately into a different learning model and expected to just adjust how you learn over time. It was hard for us as teachers to just adjust how we teach, but we've got more tools in our toolbox. But we're doing these kids a disservice if we just lower all of what we're expecting. In fact, I think we need to support the heck out of them and keep high expectations. Keep where we need them to be. Give them the marks that they are currently earning and preface those D's and C's with saying, you just got a D and a C and you've been working your tail off. And it's of course normal for where you are. It's of course normal that the marks aren't where you want them to be. And that's totally okay. Because you have literally missed two years of school and you are making that up right now. So let's work on that. So we need to set that culture of high expectations. We need to be very careful about how much we're modifying and where accommodations end and modifications begin. 
We also need to make sure that the marks we are giving our students reflect not their effort, but where they are and where they're supposed to be. That we do not give them a better mark for effort. We don't just bump, oh, they tried hard, so they get a B. No, we are pretty clear and have been for a long time what a provincial standard, what a B level work looks like. EQAO, as much as we hate it here in Ontario and standardized testing or exemplars, we've got exemplars for what good quality work looks like at our grade levels. So we need to use that and we need to keep focused on that's where they need to be. We can support them to get there, but we cannot just smooth the road and simplify everything. Now, a lot of this will happen, but it also is going to require that we change a little bit about how we teach and we retrain students. Almost every behavior that you see in your classroom is trainable. If you want your students to work independently, that is trainable. You can train your students to work independently. In fact, the students have shown over the last two years that they have a tremendous capacity to work independently, that they have grit and stamina and they can do it. But we need to look at what that looks like in the classroom. We need to be able to train them again how to work, how to what stamina they can attain. We need to reflect that maybe sitting in desks now that some of the restrictions are lifting may not be the most ideal situation for all of our students that movement needs to maybe happen in our classrooms, that we need to be more flexible and we need to put some of the ideas of who is working and how they're working. We need to put some of that ownership back on our students and let them help to inform us about what good learning looks like. We need to really focus on retraining our students as to what school should look like while at the same time really questioning what school should look like. This is our opportunity to change what a traditional model of school could be and really allow there to be more collaboration, more flexibility, and that learning is a bit more responsive to what our students are saying they need and what their style of learning is. One of the ways I love doing this is voice and choice. Today, I was having a conversation with a student and they said to me, when they go to college or when they go to university, you know, do they have to have really good marks? And I said, you have to have decent marks to get into college and university. But here's the thing I want you to remember is that when you are learning about things that you are very interested in, so if your favorite subject is math and you've decided you want to go and pursue a math degree or a math diploma. You're now taking courses that are specifically about a topic you have decided you're interested in. You don't have to take art classes if you don't like art. You don't have to take history classes if you don't like history. If you're pursuing, say, an accounting degree or diploma, you're focused on math. And because it is something you like, you put more of an effort into it and you learn a little bit differently and you try a little bit harder because you've picked it. It's something you want. That is one of the differences here. I said, you need the basic skills now so that you can handle the tasks that are happening later on. But when you make an effort and when you are engaged and you're invested in what you're doing, it doesn't seem like such a chore and such a task. 
And this is exactly why in our classrooms now, we need to take ourselves out of some of the decision-making over what and how they accomplish the learning that we want them to do. This means we are adding more voice and choice in our classrooms. For two years, they have had the choice of when they're hungry, they go eat. When they need to use the washroom, they just go. When they want a drink of water, they just get it. When they want to get up and walk around, they can't because they've got their headphones on and they can just listen to their class or they've got the tablet that they can move and sit on a couch. Watching my five-year-old son do remote learning meant that he had an entire family room that he would just take the iPad and move. Sometimes he was upside down on a chair. Sometimes he was lying on his stomach on the floor. He needed to have the ability to move around. He had that flexibility and choice. No one was telling him he couldn't do that as long as he was getting the work done. The same needs to be transferred into our classroom with voice and choice. Teaching language arts, one of the ways I do this is allowing my students to write whatever it is they want to write. They pick the topic. They pick the characters. They pick the plot. They write. They determine when their due date is. They determine how much or how little they're going to write. They know what I'm expecting. They know the quality that I want. We set high expectations, communicate those really clearly to students. But the decision on how they're going to meet those expectations is 100% on them. I don't tell them whether they're going to write a story or a report, an adventure, a biography, a letter, some poetry. That's on them. They pick everything. And because they are invested, it is now April. And I can confidently say that I have students that have transitioned from writing one or two disjointed sentences as pieces of writing to writing these stories that are developed and have a structure and a plot. They are writing me a variety of different text forms. And this is because they've had chances to play and experiment and fail and try and all of those things. And they're invested in it because it's all their ideas. It's what they want to be doing. My only rule about writing is that you cannot kill your classmates or your teacher in your story if your story is a realistic fiction. You are allowed to kill your classmates with their permission in space in like an adventure story that is not set in reality. But in a realistic type of story setting, you are not allowed to kill your classmates. That's the only rule that I have. Everything else is fair game. I get zombies. I get monsters. I get war. I get love. I get pencils that talk and diary entries and you name it. I get it. But my kids are engaged. And because they're engaged, they work harder on it. And because it's important to them, and because they work harder on it, they perform better. And that has allowed me through that process to close some significant gaps where I am confident that my students are going to do perfectly fine at meeting the grade level expectations on their provincial standardized testing. Not because I like the testing, not because I've been teaching to the test. In fact, I've sort of been doing the opposite but because they're just confident writers. They're developing themselves into confident writers because it's been them doing it. And I coached them along the way, but that voice and choice has made a tremendous impact on my ability to close gaps and to accommodate those kids without adjusting what grade six writing looks like, without lowering my expectations, 
without simplifying what it is they're doing. I just set really high expectations and I expect them to achieve it and meet them. And I support the heck out of them along the way. And I do a ton of teaching to help get them there. But I always have the same expectations. They always need to meet them. I'm not going to simplify what I need them to do to meet where they are, but I'm going to support the heck out of them to get them to where they need to be and help to close those gaps. So regardless of the fact that we have been teaching kids that have survived through a pandemic over the last two years, it is so important that we take this time to really think about how we are going to support them in getting and catching up to where they need to be. And it is not an easy task. It's a daunting one. And the more challenging way to go about it is to keep pushing to get them to where you need them to be instead of just paving the road with pillows and helping them get there and making excuses for why they're not there. We can get them there because we're professionals and we know what we're doing and we are good at what we do. And we can trust ourselves that through our hard work, through our knowledge and pedagogy and know-how that we can get them there. If you need support in getting your students through high quality, engaging learning activities and materials, you can find all of our science, social studies, math, and language resources at www.madlylearning.com forward slash store. Thanks so much for joining us and we will see you next week on another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.